Give me just a second. I need to look at you for a minute. Some of you don't look any older. Man, that's pretty amazing. There are some faces I do not know, and that is awesome. I would be, I would, I'm so excited to know that. I look around, and as you noticed, I didn't get the memo. You noticed that your staff now is color-coordinated. They, you know, and they didn't send me the memo that I need to wear pink today. I'd love, I got a pink shirt. I love pink. And I noticed they, you, have a, you have a clock on the slides now <laughs> with a countdown. Yeah. Okay, with a countdown. Uh, I was looking at the slides. Uh, listen. It doesn't work. <laughs> oh, man. I, I look at, I, I had the privilege of working with some awesome men who love the Lord here. Uh, one of them was dear to me who, just had his reunion in heaven with his wife, Jim. I think when I look at these slides, Jim was amazing. He did my slides. He, he could read my mind when I was preaching, and he'd do the slides and click them perfect and all that kind of stuff. But if I ever took too long on a point, he'd put the next point up to kind of move me along. And uh, uh, y'all don't get any ideas back there. No. Okay. Uh, it is a privilege and an honor that you would ask me to come back, uh, truly. I see what God is doing in this church, and I am blessed. I do see what he's doing, Whew. and it is awesome. It is awesome. Well, here we go. I'm going I'm to share a passage with you that's one of my favorites, and... Uh, and when I thought, what could I say? We're going to celebrate 125 years. You realize that is amazing in and of itself, 125 years. And then I realized I was here about 25 of them, which is about a fifth of the time, which tells me I'm really getting old. Whew. But I want to tell you, as I look back at the history of this church and how it started and how it grew and different men have stood on this platform and preach the word of God and God has done great things in this church. So we want to talk about that a little bit and the Apostle Paul says something to the church at Philippi. When I talk about every time, every time, that's a word we use without thinking. Every time. I do that every time. I cry every time I hear that song. Well, that's probably not true. We use it pretty flippantly. Every time. But the Apostle Paul uses it with the great passion. Because he's not exaggerating. There's, and I want to talk about every time. And, and as I look at this, I want to tell you, number one, every time I think of you, I am thankful for the partnership in sharing the good news about Jesus constantly. When I think about you. And I do. I do. I think about you often. I talk about y'all often and it's all good. <laughs> I'm thankful for the partnership that we enjoyed and those before me enjoyed. And now 
Erickson joined the partnership with you in sharing the good news about Jesus Christ constantly. Here's what he says in verse 3 of Philippians chapter 1. Every time I think of you, and he's not exaggerating, every time you cross my mind, I give thanks to my God. Isn't that something? Now, Philippi, they weren't a perfect church. I'm quite sure he had some knuckleheads in the church congregation, just like every church does. Human nature's life. We're not perfect, therefore the church is not perfect. And so he's not, but he sees the thing that's the, the, the essential value in the church. He says, I thank my God when I think of you. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. There's another good word. He said, not only am I thinking about you and I'm thanking God for you, I actually am joyful about it. I'm excited about it. Why? Why is he thankful and why is he so joyful? You ready for this? For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Jesus Christ from the time you first heard it until now. You realize what he just said? He said, I'm thankful that you're telling people about Jesus. That's all he's saying. I'm just thankful that you keep telling people and keep telling people and keep telling people about Jesus. That's how churches grow. That's how you last 125 years. That's how you keep um, reaching people and developing a congregation that's growing because we tell people about Jesus. It's not about entertainment and it's not about personality and it's not about program. It's about how we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he is the reason for our hope. He is the, he, Christ alone is our salvation. He's the one that changes my life. He's the one that gets me through the storms of life and walks me through the fire. And he's there when I'm down. He's there when I'm up. We talk about Jesus to people. We share our stories. That's how a church grows. It's not buildings. It's Jesus. And when you talk about Jesus, he says, if I'll be lifted up, I'll draw people to me. That's the key. And so if we lift him up, he's, people are going to come. They're going to come. We live in a world where we're not popular now. Uh, you know, Christianity is not popular. It was in the 50s and 60s, uh, but it's, we're not living in the 50s and 60s. We're living now in a whole other century. And we're not popular. That's okay. God hadn't changed. Christ is still the hope of the world. And if we tell people about it, the Holy Spirit does his work in conviction, and people come to know Christ, and churches are still growing. So I applaud you. I thank God for you when I remember you. And I remember you often. I think about the fact we're celebrating 125 years today. Isn't that something that God has been at work for 125 years in this church? Many churches don't make it. We're now reading in our Southern Baptist Convention that we're projecting many churches will go away because they're not growing. They're dying. So when Paul says this, 
he's talking about telling people about Jesus intentionally, personally and with love. Intentionally, that means you purpose to tell people about Jesus. You make it a priority. I will say, and I, there was service, John Cooper, I will never forget the day we went to Hebron. Our staff went down to Hebron, uh, Georgia Baptist. Well, actually, the Home Mission Board had this thing called Faith Strategy where you could build your Sunday school and your church and tell people about Jesus, teach people how to tell their testimony. And I remember uh, John was so excited about it. He was a Sunday school director. And, uh, you know, he's so excited. And we were all kind of, yeah, this is awesome. And I remember Larry Wynn, uh, you know, handing out posters when we said we we're going to do it and came back. And our first session of faith, we had 12 people because each, each leader had two people. And there was four of us. We each took two. And we had 12 people. It's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. I'll never forget it. Intentionally for 16 years. Intentionally. Do you understand what that is? That's phenomenal. For 16 years, this church said, we want to tell people about Jesus intentionally. And personally, because you've got to go talk about it. And, they, and, and the church, y'all did that. Y'all did that. And you say, well, what does that do when it's all said and done? Well, I want to tell you what it did because of the Bible says, if you, if you work and not get weary and well-doing, you'll reap a harvest. If you'll plant and plant and water and plant and water, you share the gospel, he will do what he does. He brings a harvest. The harvest is his. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's his. And so here's what we know. <laughs> I'll look at how he began to work with faith and, and then uh, how he worked in, in those things. And I remember. I remember. Some of you are the benefits of that. Oh, it was uh, 2003 on March the 16th, and, and uh, I knew it was going to be a great Sunday because six people who had signed up to do faith and had gone through the first four weeks, and the third, they had to do your testimony in faith, and Six people realized they weren't saved. They had signed up to go tell people about Jesus and they didn't even know him. They signed up. When they kind of write their story, they're going, I can't write my story. I don't know. And they got, and they got saved. So I knew we had six people coming forward on a Sunday morning, which is awesome. And you're going, that's great, Lord. And then, and then, and then, to top it off, my wife, Charlene, on a Friday night, shared that she had trusted Jesus Christ been in church all her life. I'll never forget that Sunday. It was a Sunday morning where God showed up and God does what he does and you're just kind of glad to be a part of it. Glad to witness it. And sure enough, that Sunday, 42 people came forward to be saved. 42. Wow. Man, oh man. We baptized for weeks. It's awesome. And that didn't stop. We kept reaching people. People kept coming and getting saved. And then by the end of the year, we baptized 108 people to God be the glory. I, I, you know, understand it. You understand what he does? He does great things and he lets us be a part of it. He doesn't have to use us. 
He doesn't need us, but he lets us be a part of the great things he wants to do. And if we will, as Paul says, if we'll be faithful in telling people about Jesus, he will honor that in ways we cannot imagine. And he will multiply more than we can ever calculate. And I think that is the awesome thing about being in the body of Christ. And here at First Baptist, you celebrate 125 years of the things God has done, but he's still doing things. He's still doing I look around, you guys, man, I love watching y'all worship. I look around and see faces that I, that I recognize. People I had the privilege of baptizing. I see Judy, 2002, August. Am I right? Yeah, I won't forget that. I won't forget that. No. What God did in the life of Barbara Evans, I, and I look back there and I see my buddy Mark, Mark Gray. I remember the, the appointment on the driveway. <laughs> what was happening? God was working. You understand? God was, you just churches have to get themselves in position for God to work. And I think. When Paul has said, I'm thankful to the church of Philippi because you've put yourself in a position where God do, will do great things until he comes back. Man, and so we, we, we get that. So we understand that. We see that. Every time I think of you, I'm excited for your salvation and for your spiritual impact on this community till Jesus comes. I am. I'm thankful that you've you're being faithful to a God who's always faithful, our God. And so you do that, and you live that way, and you say, Lord, that's, that, that's what works. I, I, and, and, we, and you're seeing that today, because Eric will tell me about people he's baptizing, and I, and I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I, I sit, and I, I, I've got a choir. You, you never sounded better. I worship. Garrett, buddy, you are fun to watch. Man, you just, you just got Jesus pouring out of you, dude. I, 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 what a song. I, I look around. And, so this is, God is using you. So be thankful. Be thankful. So, and you ought to think, and listen. <laughs> Churches aren't perfect. Pastors are not perfect. But God is perfecting us. And, we'll, and, and, and so I want you to understand that because he is wanting to do great things. That brings honor to his name. It magnifies him. We just have to get in position to do that. And so when you are committed to sharing Jesus and really inviting people to come to know Christ, he will honor that. So don't ever stop doing that. In a world where that seems to be kind of, uh, people almost have pushed that aside and I love discipleship. Discipleship's important. But until people are saved, you have no one to disciple. So, so that's the key Paul's so thankful for. He said, you guys are faithful to telling your story about what Jesus has done for you and what he'll do for others. So we look at it. We lack. So again, I want to read that every time I think of you, I am excited for your salvation and for the spiritual impact on this community till Jesus comes. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says this. And I am certain, Paul says, that God who began the good work within you, 
that's your salvation, that you were saved, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Whew. Wow. You know what he's saying? He's saying, guys, you started a journey at salvation, but that was the beginning of your new life. And now you're going to be living out a life that you grow by faith. You grow in your faith. You grow in your knowledge. You grow in your spirit. You are beginning to develop from being a baby in Christ to an adult in Christ. And it's a journey we all take. And we move from being that newborn babe being saved to now being a servant of the kingdom and the kingdom of the living God to be available to minister to love others to love God to share our spiritual gifts with one another to invest in the kingdom of God through the local church here as you do at First Baptist that is how churches grow this real simple there's good listen church there's seasons of good days and bad days there's time, as I, I never heard an old pastor a long time ago when I was young in the ministry at my second church. I remember him saying, he had pastored church for 50 years. He said, guys, I want to tell you something. The tide comes in, the tide goes out. Don't blame anybody either way. He was right. There's seasons when it's just awesome. Yeah, mountaintop. There's seasons where it's the valley. But God's still God. He's working in all that. Sometimes he works more in the valley than he does on the mountaintop. He's more obvious. And so we go through those seasons. We have those moments that are struggles or, or challenges. And yet God shows up. And Paul says, he's going to be there to get you from start to finish. He's going to make sure you get to the finish line. And I say this, so when that happens, we're seeing that the growth takes place and the Christian life brings in a, he says, your attitude's going to change. Your attitude's going to change. Let me tell you, in my years of ministry, I've seen church members that had an attitude, and when they got saved, the attitude changed, and it's pretty awesome. I like the latter. Attitude changes as you grow in spirit. Your attitude changes. It's part of the growth, and we get that. It brings a change in priorities. It brings a change in behavior. I begin to behave differently. My priorities are different. The things of God are important. Being with my fellow believers on Sunday is important. Using my spiritual gift, whether it's in the choir or the Sunday school room or, or back there in the, just working the sound or doing the instruments, man, I, awesome. It's what we begin to realize is important because our God is worthy of our service. And so our behavior begins to reflect that. And, and then we go, we grow in spiritual knowledge and we grow in passion. When we grow, the attitude has to change. It will change. Because if you grow, you're going to change. I, am, I have now been growing for a long time and I understand change. I, when I was a teenager, my body was one way, and then it grew as an adult, and it got different and changed. But also my mind became wiser and sharper, and it changed. I knew more. Things change. When we grow, things change. With age, we change. We do. And so in understanding that, we, churches have to realize if I grow, we're going to change. It's not an option. It's a reality. And change sometimes is uncomfortable. 
Because you come to church and you've always sit in the same pew seat for 20 years and somebody new is sitting in it. You go, that's my seat. No, it's not your seat. It's God's seat. He put that person there. It's not your seat. You don't own anything here. It's not yours. And so, so we, we go, you know, and, 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 and the things we do, people, different people show up to serve and they bring different ideas and different passion. And it's amazing what God will do with people that show up. But you have to say, God, we want people to show up. We want new people to come. We want to take those people. Some of them, are, some of them have no church background at all. And they're kind of like, Lord, what do we do with them? Well, you love them. They got to grow. I mean, you, you ever seen a two-year-old toddler? Well, they can be rough sometimes. You go, Phew. and uh, I was I was uh, sharing and, and talking about child behavior and and uh, that that the terrible twos can be reality. And I, a couple came up after the church and said, "You kind of you kind of offended us. Our child's two, and we think he's wonderful. We don't do any da 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 da. He's great." Well, I know all parents think you know, I don't know if they think children are perfect, but you know. But so so we didn't we don't believe that. So I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you that one. I was just telling you that two-year-olds could be tough. Six months later, they came back and wanted to meet me in my office. Said, Pastor, can you perform an exorcism on our child? <laughs> mm. Yeah. Two-year-old showed up, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so we look at this and we go, okay. Oh, we grow and we love people and we help them grow. We help them develop. More and more, we're seeing people come from a non-church background. They don't know the stories of the Bible and they have to learn them. And we get to talk about it. So, you know, I sit there and we learn to love love others. Not because we're perfect, because we're not. Personalities clash. Ideologies clash. But that's not the main thing, is it? Isn't the main thing telling people about Jesus and loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body and love your neighbors yourself? I mean, that's what Jesus said. I don't, I, I, and I think I can count on his word completely and totally. And so that's what he says. So growth brings change in the life and the atmosphere of the church. And the demographic changes, multi-generational church. In the 50s and 60s, if you had two generations, you had usually two healthy generations, sometimes more, but now you can have four to five generations in a church. That's different. Because you have, each generation thinks differently. They have different tastes, different preferences, different opinions. And the church has to figure out how to bring us together in a multi-generation, one body in under the lordship of Christ. And therefore, I have to value those that come, that God sends, and go, okay, Lord, we, we want to do that. So when you talk about celebrating 125 years, you're celebrating what God has done and how he's changed, how things have changed. And church has become a little more challenging than it used to be. But God's up to the challenge. We just got to join him. It ain't a big deal for him. It's just a big deal for us. And so he goes, here's what we do. Here's how we do this. New faces. You guys, do you realize what you've survived? Number one, this was a mill church. 
it started as a mill church. They built the building, all this stuff. Uh, and the mill began to decline, downsize, then closed. But you survived. Do you realize in the state of Georgia that's rare, extremely rare? Because you focused on evangelism. You showed up and did your part. You used your spiritual gifts, and therefore God could do something with you. I mean, that's all God's, just God just needs us to be available. He, he just, he'll do the work. We just got to kind of show up. And, and that's what you have done. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome to remember. He survived COVID. Do you realize if you weren't a healthy church going into COVID, you came out even worse? Many churches did not survive COVID. Look at y'all. Still doing two services. Amazing. Amazing. This is my first time I've done preach twice in six years. And, I was, <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, can my mind do this? I don't know. Did I say that earlier or did I not say that? Do I say that now? I don't know. Pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. God has done great things with you. And I say to you, as I say to you, He'll finish what He started. Never stop moving forward. Never stop moving forward. Don't get satisfied, don't get comfortable. Always grow, always reach, always strive. Follow his leadership. I'm very excited for the staff that God has put here. Dan was passionate with the choir. My, my brother Eric. Uh, man, he was my youth guy for 16 years and couldn't have had a better one. Billy, you did a good job. You got him ready. Oh, and then to know what God was doing. I had no idea what was going to be happening. didn't know the future and kind of took some weird turns for me, but that's okay because you've got to follow where God leads, and that's what we all should do. And so then you go, and I'm, I, you know, I, all of a sudden, God just puts Eric here. Pretty awesome because I know this man loves you. That I know. And so we see this. Well, you keep moving forward. Jesus is coming. May we be watching with anticipation. Never stop moving forward. My last story. My first grandchild, Jenny. She was our first grandchild. We, of course, were living here, and we had to travel to Potter Springs to see them. And, and we'd all say, we're coming to see, we're coming to see y'all, which meant we're coming to see the grandchild. We didn't, you know, that's all that meant. We're coming to see the grandchild. And uh, so they'd say, Jenny, uh, uh, Nana and Pops are coming. And, and so she would be real excited and anticipation. And never, it never failed. And every time we came, every time we came, we're leaving, we're on the way. Every time we came, as we pulled in the driveway, I would see the face of my grandchild through the window, pressed, looking for us to come, looking for us to come, waiting been there, just waiting. And when we pulled in the driveway, 
smile broke across her face, and she got excited, and then she ran to the stairway. We walked to the door. She yay! And I thought, we should be that watchful for Jesus. He says he's coming. Not a thing left prophetically to be done for the rapture to occur. When the trumpet sounds, shout the commanding shout of our Lord, and we will go to meet him in the air. And we should be watching, anticipating, because it'll be the greatest day of our life outside our salvation. So, you keep moving forward, focusing and anticipating the coming of Christ because it really could be today. It really could. And that would be great, wouldn't it? Because this world's a mess. So I want you to bow with me, please. With heads bowed and eyes closed. As we come to the invitation, perhaps you're here today and you're a guest church member, I don't know, but maybe you realize you don't have that relationship with Christ. Something's always seemed like it's been missing in your life and you can't ever figure out what it is and you seem like it just don't fit no matter how hard you try. Well, I want to say to you, why don't you trust Jesus today as your Savior and Lord? Come to him, receive him as your Savior. Knowing that you're saved in Christ alone and what he did, he can't left heaven and came to earth, died on a cross and rose from the grave and is now receiving your faith if you'll trust him. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, would you, would you just say something like this? If, it's your, if the Holy Spirit's convicting you to be saved, do it. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you died for me. I'm the sinner that you died for. Forgive me, save me, and be my Savior and Lord. You open your heart to him. If you prayed that prayer, just a moment, we're going to sing. Eric's down here to receive you. Would you come down and share that decision? Come on, man, do it boldly, as so many have done in this church's history. Do it today. If you're looking for a church home, you're not going to find a better church family. Come on and be a part of this family if the Lord leads you to do so. And maybe you just need to pray about something. We sang about him being the Lord and the storm and the fire and Things are happening in your life that you don't understand or there's, there's just something's happened that's, that's, that's burdened you or you're struggling with something. Would you come and pray? Would you come and take a moment and just say, Lord, I just want to pray to you. I promise you, you won't pray alone, so I'm going to pray with you. Come. Let God work in your life.